Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and I am looking out there for my best buddy, Seth Robinson. Hey, it feels like it's been forever since we've talked. I know. It has been a while, and I can't really account for why, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it, it seems like it's been a long time. Well, I think there's been a lot going on, uh, you know, and I, I think it's probably worthwhile addressing some of that stuff. Uh, two weeks ago, the last time we recorded, the, the murder of George Floyd had happened just a few days before, and everything was still pretty fresh, and I think people were trying to figure out what to say, and so we really didn't end up addressing it on that episode. But here, you know, as, as we're going out with a new episode, I, I think, like I said, it's worthwhile saying something, and, and you and I, in, in our roles, have had an opportunity to work with a lot of different people, and, and we can really see how working with different people and seeing all those voices and having everyone have their voice heard and having a chance to speak can contribute to a different narrative, different analysis, a better outcome than, than you would get if you're, if, if you're not doing that. Uh, and, and so I think that you know, we are definitely standing on the side of social equality, of, of Black Lives Matter. Um, I think we want everyone to be treated equally uh, because I think that's the only way that we can really be at our best. I couldn't agree more, uh, Seth. It's been a, a very tough few weeks to go through this. One of the things that I think, though, that's encouraging is I do feel like there's a little bit of a different um, feel out there in terms of how people are responding. We've seen these kinds of incidents and horrible situations before in history and, and, not, and recent history, um, but I've never really felt, for some reason, I feel some sort of different response this time that may enact some change, and, and that, that's encouraging. You know, there are various examples of things that we're seeing that we never saw in the past uh, in terms of reaction to um, an event like this. The other thing I wanted to do to kind of pull this full circle to our world in the business world is how important diversity is to business. We've done countless studies on on diversity and we have diversity communities here at CompTIA. And, you know, one of the things that we found is the real business benefits to having a, um, a heterogeneous workforce. It's not just about the quotas and making sure you have, you know, X amount of African-Americans and X amount of, you know, Hispanics, et cetera, which a lot of people think that it's just a numbers game so that you look like you're playing fair. But that isn't really all of it. Um, having a diversity of voices, a diversity of opinions, diversity of viewpoints, diversity of approaches to problems, approaches to solutions – uh, we found in all of our research means you have better business outcomes. Having a homogenous one think type of workforce is not nearly as beneficial as having one that brings a whole bunch of uh, viewpoints to the table. I agree with you that I, I hope that this is different uh, this time around. And it's it's still going on. Uh, the, the story is still being told uh, and I'm watching to see where it goes. Yes, as am I. So let's hope, fingers crossed, that things will be better in the coming weeks and, and months and we see some real change. So looking ahead, I think today we're going to talk about emerging technology again. And you've got a, a white paper out um, that really takes a deep dive into some of the um, things that anyone in any business that is thinking about getting into an emerging tech area needs to consider uh, as they decide and deploy and, and implement and hire around those emerging tech. So tell us a little bit about the study. 
for, for a little bit of context here, we've been a little disrupted in the way that we do our research. And so we haven't had as much opportunity to do some of the standard reports that we do and gather some of the data. Uh, so we've had to take a left turn into doing some things uh, that we don't always do quite as much of. And one of them is this white paper. You know, this isn't really a traditional study where we're gathering data. Um, it's it's more of a qualitative study where I've interviewed a few people um, and I've done a few things like this before. And I think typically when I'm approaching these projects, it's because I feel like there's some kind of a gap in the conversation. And I think we've had a gap, at least one gap or, or maybe more uh, in the conversation around emerging technology for a while now. We've we've been discussing it on this podcast for for most of the time that we've been running. And I'm sure that I've said on this podcast that. There's no CIO out there that would say, well, we need more emerging tech in here. It's not really a thing. And at the same time, we've always had emerging technology. There's always been something on the horizon. So why is it different now? Is it really different now? Um, and if so, you know, why? What's different? And, and I think that that was the first thing that I wanted to answer. And I, the, the thing that came back is that it is different. It is important. It's a, it's a real thing that companies are focusing on, that IT teams are focusing on. And as we were preparing for this podcast, one thought that I had that I didn't really get into the white paper, and I kind of wish that I would have, is it's not really the technology that's different, although there are some differences there that we'll talk about. It's more the approach to the technology. The reason that this is important for IT teams today is because they're trying to be more strategic. And we've talked a lot about strategic IT versus tactical IT. And part of being strategic is having a better finger on the pulse of what's coming and being able to evaluate those things a little bit better and being ready to implement them when the time is right for your business. And so I think that whole approach to emerging technology is what's different now and why it's important and why we're focusing on it more. In reading the white paper, you know, I had many takeaways, but uh, I think the fact that you frame using emerging tech as a very strategic thing for an organization uh, is critical. Um, so it isn't applying a product, you know, and, and we can talk a lot about how emerging tech is not necessarily a product. And there are many um, items that fall into the emerging tech bucket, too. So that's another thing that maybe we want to delineate a little bit. But that it's really about uh, affecting an organization as a whole. So thinking about process and workflow. And then finally, at the end, thinking about whatever emerging tech products, per se, might apply or help in that in that uh, endeavor. But it's really about all that the the earlier steps in mapping out what you're trying to attain, what you're trying to, you know, accomplish within an organization and then how you want to get there. And then finally, what what are the tools that you can use that will help you get there? And I think that's interesting. The other thing I wanted to actually talk to you about is, in, and, you know, I follow the channel. And one of the things that is always, an, uh, you know, an issue for them, especially uh, uh, around some of the newer technologies that are coming out, is being able to talk about a use case to their customers, you know, so why should I buy this or why should I be interested in this particular technology? How, give me some examples. What are the use cases? And I think that's important. Both end users need to be able to justify that and, and figure out why why they're going to apply this type of technology. Uh, and then also, if you're a reseller and you're trying to figure out how to sell these things to your customers, what the use cases are for their business. One example, when I was doing a channel study uh, last year, I think, um, when we asked them a whole slew of emerging tech 
questions. And, you know, one of the things that I've always wondered is what's the use case for a business, a basic business? You're running a manufacturing firm, a use case for something like virtual reality. And uh, I couldn't come up with many because from my, you know, my view of VR right now, at least it's very simplistic. And, and, and early on is, you know, gaming and sort of a consumer uh, consumer use. But one of the things that I read about was that, you know, there's a real use for VR and safety training. So if you've got a new employee in a manufacturing plant, and you're trying to train them on a new machine that could potentially, you know, chop their finger off or something like that. You can use VR to virtually train them and they will get the exact same, you know, other than the tactile part of it um, with their hands, but they will be able to learn in a much safer environment before you put them on the actual machine. So I digress quite a bit on use cases, but I think it's important to understand that so that, uh, emerging tech isn't just this esoteric thing that we talk about, but it has a real applicability to what you do in your business. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's the the second thing. If we if we've established that emerging tech is important and it's about the strategic approach, then the next question is, well, what's what's going on with emerging tech today, and and is is there something that's a little bit different about it? And I think that there is. Um, and I, I really have to give a nod to Ben Thompson here, who I think I've referenced a few times on this podcast. Uh, he has his own podcast. I think he's got two of them now, um, Exponent and Dithering. Uh, he runs a website called Stratechery, uh, and he does a lot of analysis that, that's similar to the, the things that we do, looking at the intersection of technology and business. And he had a post back in January where he described the computing platform. Uh, and, and the title of the post was The End of the Beginning. Uh, and I, it was the, the, the post that I wish that I had written. I thought it was so great. He, he described <laughs> that we're always thinking about the next paradigm. You know, in technology especially, we tend to think about what's next, what's next, what's coming up. And we've had these major changes from the mainframe to the PC into Internet and now into cloud and mobile. And so we always tend to think that something new is coming, but he took the viewpoint that at a certain level, all of these advances have been advancing the basic computing platform, talking about where computing is getting done and when it gets done. And we've basically moved from it can only get done in a single room by highly specialized people to it's getting done everywhere all the time by anyone. And so if we've reached that point of ubiquity, then the platform itself has probably reached a kind of its final state. It's probably not got a lot more growth potential in it. What that means is the energy in the system can go into building the solutions that go on top. And, and I think that there's a lot of truth to that, that if you look back at the past 50, 60 years, however many of IT – a lot of the energy has gone into growing the platform, and we've put relatively simple solutions on top of that platform. Mm -hmm. Now we have a stable platform, and we're building more complex solutions, and that's where emerging technology came in. These things are components of the solutions, and so you're not going to have this direct use case of like, here's how you use IoT or here's how you use VR. It's going to be, here's the solution that you need to build where IoT is a component, but you're also sitting on top of your overall architecture and you're solving a business problem. Um, I'm just going to read directly, you know, one thing that I wrote in the white paper along these lines because I already wrote it, so I don't need to restate it. Um, but I, I said, IoT does not get placed on a rack in the server room. Companies build IoT systems using sensors, which then collect new data to be used in decision-making. AI is not a new software package. 
developers use AI algorithms to write new programs that apply probability to help automate business processes or produce new insights. So I think there is a shift there. Uh, and I think that the traditional view of how do I sell this thing or from the IT perspective, you know, how do I plug this thing in has changed. And that's mm-hmm. not enough of a question to be asking anymore. You have to be asking, what am I going to build that uses this piece and this piece and this piece and create something new? Yeah, when I was reading it, I, I was struck by you know the the whole concept of sort of the platform is is finalized in a way. And I I wrote I jotted some notes down and I had here you know platform as a given. So it's you know it's not about improving the operating system anymore necessarily. It might be you know other than security stuff, but it, or it's not about improving the cloud necessarily either. But I love the term artisan IT that you have in the paper. Um, that speaks to me because I think uh, it's just a great way to put it about crafting solutions. That's what it's all about. So it's software solutions, other vertically, you know, vertically uh, focused solutions, whatever they happen to be. And, and it is very the, art, the word artisan it very much fits uh, what I think the next generation of what we're going to be doing with uh, with technology is. And there is a role here for you know both sides of the equation. I mean, the the IT pros are going to be artisan ITs, um, artisan IT practitioners, I should say. And, and, and then uh, for channel companies, uh, they have a great opportunity to be these, they're already in some ways doing this, but, you know, to be, you know, the, that specialty provider that is able to help craft those solutions and then incorporate the emerging technologies within them. I think that's, that's it's a great thing. It's a great term to coin. And I, I think it fits well. I wanted to pivot if we could, to the part of the white paper that really talks about the impact that this is going to have on skills and jobs and hiring and just who you have within your within your organization. And I, I love the idea that there are so many different titles out there right now. It can be a little bit dizzying to think about all the different specialty titles for jobs, but that that eventually is going to get boiled down into fewer and that we all thought we were going to have to have 15 different types of cloud specialists, but what is actually happening now that's collapsing and it's really just cloud skills that need to be imbued within your existing workforce. And I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, that was the, the, the second main motivation behind this paper is obviously within CompTIA, we're having these discussions about job roles and skills all the time. And and specifically, a lot of that discussion is directed at, you know, well, what kind of certifications are we going to build? And so as technologies have popped up, we tried to do some of that mapping uh, and, and we've done it for cloud. You know, we've got our cloud essentials, we've got cloud plus, and it was happening with emerging technologies as well. We were saying, you know, are we going to have IOT plus? Are we going to have blockchain plus? And it didn't feel like there was enough of a connection to job roles. And so that's exactly what I tried to do with this paper is, is try to separate out, you know, well, there, there are all these trends in the industry and there are a lot of different titles. And especially at an enterprise size company where they've got a ton of resources and they're doing a lot of different things and they might need some people that are deeply specialized, you're going to have some titles that look like cloud engineer or IoT architect. But broadly speaking, is that true for big companies, small companies, all of them? And I, I think the answer is no. I think that you've got this infinite variety of titles, 
but I think that you've got a very finite number of roles. In fact, we've identified 17. And I, you know, I did this by looking at burning glass and comparing skills in all of these job roles and, and looking at where, okay, if the skills are the same, then the job role is the same. Uh, and so we, we collapsed it down into, into 17. And some of these are very traditional. They've been around for a long time. And some of these have emerged more recently. Uh, it starts with IT support. You know, I think that's the foundational one. A lot of this discussion around job role goes back to the discussion that we've had on our IT framework with the four different pillars that there are. Mm -hmm. And IT support crosses all of those pillars. You have to know about infrastructure. You have to know about software. You have to know about security. You have to know about data. So I think that's the basic one. And then in each pillar, you've got four roles, actually, that we see that, that are pretty clear today. So in, in infrastructure, it would be things like systems engineer and network engineer. And then you have an architect level uh, for both of those. In software, you've got software developer, QA engineer, DevOps engineer. In cybersecurity, cybersecurity engineer, cybersecurity analyst, penetration tester. Uh, and then in data, database administrator, data analyst. Uh, and then data scientist actually is is something new. Um, I, I originally thought that data analyst and data scientist would be very similar, but in fact, this, the skills are different. So that was one where looking at the skills validated that we have separate roles here. But but really, that's what it boils down to. And so, you know, the, the point that you made that, that, that I had talked about in the paper, which was we thought that there was going to be this role of cloud engineer. But the reality has been that while you still might have some of those roles out there, some people with those titles, by and large, companies are adding cloud skills to their network engineers and their systems engineers. And those are still the primary infrastructure roles that we're talking about. Um, so th this is something that we'll keep an eye on, you know, and we'll see if new roles actually begin to emerge. But we don't want to get too caught up in chasing titles. Yeah, I'd agree. It can get a little bit too, too granular in terms of what you actually do. And I think it speaks to the importance of training. So, you know, somebody in one role um, may be very close to uh, what you would now define as a different title or a different role, but really all they need to be trained on is a couple of new things and they actually can do the same as that other role would have done. So uh, I see a lot of shaking out in terms of this. I mean, I think we have had kind of a, a nutty time here since cloud happened with all of the various titles that you, you, you look at. And um, I think you'll see a pairing down of those as, as we go ahead. But the skills are just going to be still there. They'll still be necessary. So I'm going to put you on the spot, my friend. Let's talk about which emerging technologies do you think are going to be the big hits, the biggest hits? Uh, and we have some research on this, but I'm talking about going back a little bit full circle to use cases and, and solutions. But, you know, what do you think the the, the hottest things are going to be, you know, next year, the year after now? Take, you know, keep in mind, we've got a pandemic going on and all other strife that we sort of talked about at the beginning of this. And I don't know if there's just one giant caveat that goes around everything because we don't know what the economy is going to be like. But what do you think is going to resonate most in business? I'll repeat some things that I think we've talked about on here before, um, and there's a lot of debate about what exactly is an emerging technology anymore or when, when has something crossed into the mainstream. But I would still say that Internet of Things and artificial intelligence 
by quite a wide margin are are the two that I believe are going to have the biggest impact. You know, again, you can debate if either one of those is already established. I don't think they are quite yet. But again, they lead by such a wide margin, you know, that that's that's where the debate comes in. But I, I think that IoT, um, as I've said before in some of the IoT studies, that's really expanding the technology footprint of a business. So you, your technology footprint used to be, you know, your server room, all your endpoints, you know, all of the hardcore digital tools that were being used. And, and now that technology footprint includes whatever physical device you want to slap a sensor on and begin tracking data. Uh, and that could be building stuff for your building management. It could be inventory. It could be uh, vehicle stuff if you're trying to manage a fleet. It could be a wide variety of things. Uh, and, and I think the use case or the solution, the application is going to differ certainly from industry to industry uh, and to some extent, you know, from company to company, depending on the direction that they're trying to go, depending on their appetite for trying new things. But I think that you, you, you see a lot of these examples out there. And I think that a lot of companies are starting to figure out how to collect digital data that helps them make decisions, that helps them with their business operations. Uh, so I think that one is huge. And that's kind of on the hardware or infrastructure side. AI is more on the software side. We've jumped into AI pretty deeply here before. But just to recap that, you know, I think that AI marks a huge transition from thinking about software in a very deterministic way, where you put in these inputs and it does a thing and it performs the same output every time to having a lot more probability factored in. And you don't just put in specific inputs, you give it a whole pile of data and you let it look through that and work on it and think about it and make some connections. And again, it's going to use probability, which means that some of those connections might be a little bit off base, <laughs> um, but it's definitely going to find things that you probably wouldn't have found before using traditional methods. So I, I think that those two are huge. To maybe touch on a couple other ones that I think will be very important moving forward, 5G gets talked about a lot. And, and again, this is one where people say, like, well, what, what can a solution provider do with 5G? Mm. And, you know, the, the first question is, well, what did they do with 4G? You know, were they actively installing hotspots and things like that for their clients? You know, if they were, then there will be a lot of that activity for 5G. But if that wasn't quite their business model, then the answer is that 5G is going to get installed uh, at some point in the future. Don't know when exactly it's going to be widespread, you know, especially now with the pandemic. But at some point, 5G will be a reality. And that's more of a platform play. You know, we, we said that the platform is pretty well established. It's not necessarily going to grow the platform, make it bigger, make it so that you can reach more people, but it's going to make it more powerful. And so the types of things that you can build are even more complex. And so you can do things on top of 5G that you didn't do before, but you're not going to be able to directly influence 5G or sell 5G again, unless you're one of the few people maybe, you know, dealing with the rollout and, and installing some of the infrastructure. Blockchain is a similar one, right? Blockchain has definitely had its moment in the spotlight, and I think that's faded a little bit. And part of the reason that, that, that it's faded is because it's really going to be a technology that's behind the scenes. And, and people aren't going to be developing their own blockchain applications or blockchain databases. They're just going to be using those things. And once they can use them, 
it gives an opportunity to set up new types of business relationships because you can put some of that relationship into the technology itself. You know, you can do smart contracts. You can track the the provenance of physical items uh, a lot better. And so that changes the way that you can do things, but you're still going to be doing something different. You're not going to be selling blockchain. So, you know, I think those two are going to have a big impact, uh, but maybe not a direct impact. Well, I think that is a very good spot to stop because you've just technologied me out here, (laughs) Seth. You know, I don't know what to say. Blockchain is one of those things I need to just read about a lot. Um, But I agree with you. I think um, that the interesting part about emerging tech is it's not necessarily a thing you sell, but it is a component of many other solutions uh, that can be exploited, you know, to do things better. And and I think that's a plus for everybody. It's just kind of getting wrapping your head around how to do that, which is going to be the challenge moving forward. Yeah, and I want to circle back quickly to uh, you comment on artisan IT. Uh, and, and I, I love that. that you gotta, yeah, it's a great term. I, I, I think that's really at the heart of what's different here, right? Because you think about other industries where we might say that there are artisan uh, products, right? You know, food industry or, or, you know, craft industry or whatever it might be. You've still got these raw components, right, that need to be, you know, sold, and and you've still got some of the basic stuff. That's all still there. Um, and, and so to say that there is, you know, no selling of commodity type parts or basic components, that's not true. No. But the real value is using those components in a different way. And and so that's where the skill set has to change and the approach has to change. Uh, and I think that's really what emerging technology is bringing us. Yeah, we we have seen in in um, most of our studies in, of late in the channel is that you know infrastructure still reigns as you know the top thing that most of these folks sell. That doesn't preclude them from then being more sophisticated and building on top of that. But the fact of the matter is, companies and companies and user companies they still need infrastructure they're still going to need work you know workstations and devices for their people to work with and all the back office type stuff so um they go hand in hand and i think it it really speaks to your saying you know it's the platform is there but it's then, then we build on top of that all right all right. Well, that was a good discussion. Um, yeah. And it was fun doing the white paper. It's out on CompTIA.org right now. Uh, if people want to check it out, they can download it. So please do that. And uh, my friend, our, our next episode is going to be a very special one. So I know. I'm so excited. Everyone to tune into that one. Yes. Do we want to? Are we telling them what it is, or are we just going to wait? Eh, we'll wait. I mean, right. people might able to figure it out if they're looking at things closely okay, but uh, yeah, sounds we'll good. keep it a surprise yeah so. i'm i'm looking forward to it it's an exciting milestone we'll put it that way all right my friend i'm off to a high school graduation so of of my own child so ah. um yeah looking congratulations forward to thank you very much thank you very much and we will chat uh for our exciting episode in two weeks all right take care bye